Hey, this is Rachel, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org slash youngadults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Galatians 5, here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Join me in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for God, just the beautiful weather that you've given us these last few days coming after this storm, Lord. God, thank you for just the coolness and, and even selfishly, God, the lack of humidity. Um, God, just thank you for just how you've, you've kept us safe and how you diverted that storm just away from Central Florida, God, and how some people didn't even lose power. And, uh, but God, we also know that there are some people in our community that are hurting and are dealing with flood and, and all kinds of stuff, God. So I pray that you would just continue to to minister in their lives, God, and I pray that we would be your hands and feet, and whenever we see someone in need, God, that that we will respond um, and help meet that need, God, not through our strength, but through you empowering us and leading us to do that, Lord. God, I pray that you be with Caleb tonight as he comes to uh, preach your word, Lord. Uh, God, I pray that we would have open hearts and open ears and open ears to whatever it is that you've given to him uh, to speak and to preach to us, Lord, and God, I pray that we would respond accordingly. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Will. I'm just going to grab this. How are you guys tonight? <laughs> David, I always love your responses, bro. I'm always grateful for you. Well, if you don't know me, I, I just was reminded that this is the first time I'm preaching in a long time in young adults, and I was shocked. I didn't realize that. Um, and I was reminded of it. I was like, wow, it is. It's been... I don't know, maybe since April. And so if you don't know me, my name is Caleb and uh, I get to, <laughs> hey guys. And uh, I'm honored to be here with you guys. I actually started coming here 10 years ago, right out of high school. And this has been um, an incredible family for me, spiritual family for me. And so if you're newer here, if this first, second, third, fourth, we just know like uh, you're in a space where people wanna be for at least 10 years of their life, um, not because they're losers, uh, but because this is beautiful and there's so much richness in relationship and friendship and in growth here. I've grown so much um, in Thursday nights, but also beyond Thursday nights in the community of friendship and, and believers and brothers, sisters that we call the family of God. And so uh, you're in a good space. You're in a good space with great people who are desiring to follow Jesus imperfectly, following Jesus, but desiring to. And, uh, and I think that that's something when you read this passage that you, you, you immediately can, can observe is that this is an aspiring passage that no one will ever fully measure up to. And, uh, and so we're gonna get into that tonight because I would, as I've been praying and reading this passage, I'm like, man, there's so much beauty and richness here, but you can't help but realize like, this is impossible. This is impossible. I've never been this person fully yet or I've had glimpses of it and moments of it, but this is not my every moment of every day of my life. And so I'm so excited to see what God has for us in this passage um, tonight. And uh, I just honestly, what's interesting is if we just start right off, it starts with a conjunction. And so we're kind of set up to fail right away. 
Uh, I didn't know what a conjunction was, so I Googled it. Um, it's basically a, uh, a, a word that joins two uh, uh, competing thoughts, two opposing thoughts. So it's one word between two thoughts that are kind of opposed to each other. That's what a conjunction is, in case you didn't know. I didn't pay attention in fourth grade grammar class, um, and so I had to Google those types of things. But we start off here with the word but, which is a conjunction, right? Verse uh, uh, 22 says, but... Um, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And we're already set up to fail if we just stay there because that's only the second half. That's only second, the second idea of two. And so we kind of have to have the first idea to understand the second as well. And so although Will did an amazing job of just reading that passage and I was listening and moved by it, we need to go back a second and also read what happens right before that because without it, we can't get the fullness of these four verses, 22 through 26. Sound good? So let's go back and let's go back to starting at verse 16 for a second. Um, it's literally just a few verses four or a page before. Now, before we start in verse 16, a couple things to note. First, this is also in context in a larger letter, um, right? This is chapter five, right? So we're not starting the beginning of a letter. We're starting in the middle towards the end of a letter. And so there's a lot written before this. And if you've never read the book of Galatians or the letter of Galatians, it is a beautiful but also dense uh, articulation and, and kind of reasoning of how grace is the means by which we receive salvation, that it's not through works. And so if you don't know that, um, what that simply means is this, is that in, in our understanding of humanity and of living life is that if we aspire to know God and to live like God and to live for God, that we a lot of times naturally wanna work our way to do that. We wanna do enough right things. Um, we wanna to feel good enough about ourselves that God would love us. But the Bible teaches that that's impossible for us, that actually no matter how much we, we push ourselves to be better, no matter how much we try to, to grow in our spiritual life or in our self-awareness, at the end of the day, we all fall short spiritually of the glory of God. And it, it is, there's no works that we can do to earn our way to God. And so the beauty of the, the story of the gospels and the story of the Bible is that God makes a way and a means by which we can know him and walk with him all the days of our life into eternity. And that means his grace through himself, through his son, Jesus. And so Paul is articulating the beauties of grace and that this particular church is, came to Christ or came to a relationship with God through salvation of grace, through Jesus Christ. But now they're trying to earn their current relationship with God through works. And so Paul has written so much about this beautiful uh, understanding of grace. And then he gets to the, towards the end of this letter and he says this, verse 16. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing these things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now he goes on to explain what that means. But in simplicity, these first few verses, Paul is trying to make a statement that is saying, after if you understand grace and you understand that you're saved by grace, that if you try to work your way back to God, you're actually doing something that's opposed to God. You're doing something that the Bible teaches us is called walking in the flesh. That uh, this, this battle is displayed here in this first three verses, a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And, and basically what Paul is articulating is that if you really want to try to earn your relationship with God, you're actually trying to do that on your own strength, which is in other words, other words, the flesh. And the flesh is of no help at all because it doesn't come from God, it comes from ourselves. And that's not enough to earn God's love or grace. 
So it's actually, we need an outside source to help us to walk in the means of grace. We need an outside source to know God. And if you've been with us last few weeks in this, this series on the Holy Spirit, um, Brady and Caesar have unpacked how it's literally impossible to know God and to walk with God without this means of grace of himself, giving himself to us, his very spirit. So Paul is breaking down that this battle between the spirit and the flesh is now what Christians face. That once you receive Christ and his works on your behalf, that's grace, you're now saved. And now you receive God himself, his very spirit. And this battle begins to ensue between the spirit and the flesh for the rest of time on this side of eternity. And so Paul says, but I say, don't walk by the flesh, but walk by the spirit. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Meaning in this battle, one observation in these three verses, there's no neutrality. So just to slow down and stop for a second before you unpack that. If you are here and you call yourself a Christian, you've been given God himself, his very spirit. But this battle we are now waging between the flesh and the spirit is real. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, you've not been given God's spirit yet. And so in many ways, you're not battling. You're already in the flesh. And so there's, there's, there's no battle for you to fight because there's no spirit to fight against the flesh. But if you're in here and you're like, hey, I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm in the family of God. I've been given God's spirit. Then you automatically, you know, you're in a battle and there's no neutrality to that. You either walk with the spirit or you walk with the flesh. Now, this is a hard thing for me to even say because I love passivity and I hate con confrontation and I like being neutral. I love being neutral. And in so many situations, if you know me here well, you know in any situation, when any conflict arises, I just love listening and watching. And when someone asks my opinion, I'm like, what do you think? And I, I just, that's, that's, I naturally am wired that way. I want to be neutral, right? And so when I say you can't be neutral when it comes to this battle between the flesh and spirit, it's hard for me to say that. I don't even want to embrace that, but it's, it's not my words. This is the scriptures. That if you are walking in the spirit, you're automatically opposed to the flesh. And if you're walking in the flesh, you're automatically opposed to the spirit. And Paul says, hey, I promise you, that walking in the Spirit's better. And I'm gonna show you why. I'm gonna show you why. And he gives two examples. And this is where the, the conjunction comes in. He gives an example of the flesh. And he gives an example of the Spirit. And he gives an example, not in necessarily works and actions and behaviors, but in this, this weird thing that the Bible calls fruit. And this is kind of more of the result of what's going on inside of us. Okay, so this is really important to know because I, I think that so often as individuals, but also as a culture, but even as Christian culture, we focus so much on actions and behaviors. We, we measure people based on what they do and what we do matters. Like our behaviors are very important. But here, if you look in the greater context, Paul does not want us to get caught up in behaviors as much as the posture of the heart because he wants to show us that this is a work of the spirit, not a work that of us. And he's gonna unpack that in a second when we get back to 22 and 20, 26. And so this word fruit is basically, it, 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 we can easily understand this because of agricultural terms, right? That if anyone has ever grown any plants before, right? You, you sow a seed and as it grows, hopefully, right? It'll produce fruit eventually. Now you tend to it, you water it, right? But at the end of the day, you know if the plant is alive or in thriving or if it's dead and dying or dying and dead <laughs> based on what? 
if there's a result of fruit. And so sometimes we can think that that result of fruit is if we just do the right behaviors, then we must be walking with the spirit. But these lists are, uh, the first one is a list of behaviors, but the second one in Galatians 22, 26 is less of a list of behaviors and more of what's going on in the heart. And so let's actually read these two lists in conjunction to one another real quick. The list of the flesh and the list of the spirit, okay? Verse 19 through the end of um, 24, I believe. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the conjunction here, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Now, as you read that first list of walking in the flesh, that's a very polarizing list. We could probably sit here and talk about that for hours and have hundreds of debates. But Paul, in writing this list, is less trying to pick out specific behaviors to condemn people and more to reveal this is a life that's more walking towards flesh. Meaning, this is a life doing their own way of living, their own works, the way they desire to live. But the emphasis of this passage is not the works of the flesh. It's the emphasis for the the, the family member of God, the one who's received grace, who has the spirit, the emphasis on the fruit of the one trying to walk with the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so rather than spending hours on the first list, which would be quite a journey and worth it, we're just gonna take a second and really more talk about um, what it means to, to, to look at these, this as uh, uh, these fruits and, and, and see what God's doing behind them, not just what we're doing. So going back to, these are revealing more of a posture of the heart. So when you look at 23 to 26, these are really revealing more of the posture of the heart. And what's interesting about this, as I was praying through this, reading through this and thinking about this is sometimes this is my, the fruit of my life. There's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's kindness, there's goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. But sometimes there's not. Sometimes I'm, I'm quick to speak, quick to get angry, I feel anxious. There's less love. There's more anger. I'm not as grateful. I'm not as faithful to my promises. And so when I read this list, I can be discouraged because it's like, man, I don't always see this happening in my life every day. Actually, sometimes I actually feel like if I was to compare myself to this list, truthfully, if I'm just being totally, totally honest with you guys, I feel like I fail more than I succeed. And that can leave us very discouraged. I can leave this going, what's the point? But the point of this series and the point of this passage, again, is not our works, but the works of God and the works of the Holy Spirit. And so as we now have the Spirit, what's so beautiful about this is that it's the Holy Spirit who's enabling us to do these things, not us. And God who wants them for us more than we want them for ourselves. 
Just to, today, as I was praying, um, my sister and I were talking on the phone for a second, um, uh, trying to figure out how to uh, take care of the dog at the house because I was at work and she was at school. And, uh, and we were talking about how to figure out that situation. And she's like, hey, can I pray for you for tonight? And as she was praying, she prayed so beautifully, God, you want to produce more spiritual fruit in us than we even want in ourselves. And so that's something that is so beautiful is that as we look at this list, it's less about what we can do. Can we be more loving? Can we be more patient? A lot of times when you hear this passage preached, it's about you being more loving, you being more patient, you seek trying to do these things more. But actually the emphasis of the passage is that the Holy Spirit wants them for you more than you want for yourself. He wants to produce this in you. You don't have to earn it or necessarily, it's not about you working towards it. It's more about him revealing himself to you and producing this in you. And so it made me think about two lists. One list is temptations I have in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I made a few things of a list of like, this is in my personal relationship with the Holy Spirit as we've gone through the series the last few weeks. If you haven't listened to him, Caesar shared about how the Holy Spirit is not a magician or a force, but a person to be known. And so as the personal Holy Spirit lives inside of me and I can know him and he can know me, there's actual temptations in how to have a poor relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's mistakes I can make. And so I wrote a few of them down that I thought about. One, here's one that I've realized in my life can happen that I leave the majors of spirituality to the Holy Spirit and I do the minors on my own without him. For example, okay, salvation's a work of the Holy Spirit. Like I need him to save me. But when it comes to everyday godliness, when it comes to just doing my job, when it comes to just being a nice person, when it comes to all the things I feel like I need to do in my, my family and my friendships and my relationships, I don't necessarily need the Holy Spirit. Now, I might never tell myself that, but I started to realize that's something, that's a temptation of mine that I leave the majors to the Holy Spirit and the minors, I, I got on my own. I don't need him. But this passage is actually meant to reveal to us that the Holy Spirit wants to be intimately a part of every second and every moment of our lives. Not just the major moments, not just the major theologies, but in every moment, in the minor things all the time as well. Another temptation is that if I could just create the right for formula of God, then I will arrive. Meaning in context of this passage, when you read this passage, you can think, okay, if I just do these things, if I just do love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, then I've got it, I'm good. If I just had the right formula for God, if I had the right formula for life, then I would, I would be good. I'd figure out how to do this Christian thing. I'd never have any problems again anymore. And, and so I busy myself with trying to figure out, if you just tell me, Caleb, just do these things, then you'll get it figured out. And I, I've talked to so many teenagers and young adults who are trying to follow Jesus and a very similar theme emerges in so many conversations. What do I need to do? What, if I just did these things, is that, that what I'm supposed to do? And we try to create these lists to formulize the Holy Spirit and formulize Christianity. And this is not meant to be a list where we, we go, if I just do these nine things, then I've got it. They're meant to be a revealing of this is actually what happens when you have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of a relationship. It's not the works of accomplishment, but actually the intimate fruits of a relationship. Does that make sense? Meaning this, like there's another story in the gospels where um, a really intelligent teacher of the law came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what are, what are the things I have to do earn salvation. And Jesus says, well, well how, how do you read the law? 
He says, well, if I do this and I do this and I do this, then, then I'll be good. And she says, you got it right. And, and there's this, almost this sense of like, in this story, okay, wait, the guy just asked if I do these things or what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus says, what do you say? And he says, if I do these things, then, then I think I'm saved. And Jesus says, you got it. And you almost think like, if you just left it there, it's like, okay, let's just do those things. But actually, if you continue reading, you start to see that the guy actually misses something and Jesus wants to show it deeper. That it's far less about if you just do two or three or four things and far more about relationship. Far more about relationship. And so as we read this passage and understanding the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, we shouldn't walk away going, man, I just want to, I just, I got to try to be more loving. If I just try to be more patient, more gentle, like more faithful, then, then I've got to figure it out. We should leave going, man, I want to spend more time with the Holy Spirit and he will produce these things in me. And so that's a temptation of mine that I can try to, to create a formula that if I follow, then I'll have it all figured out in my Christian life. But that's not the point of this passage. Another temptation when it comes to my relationship with the Holy Spirit is that I can make a choice in the flesh, this battle that's waging between the flesh and the spirit. And because of that choice and mistake, shame sets in and I start to close myself off to the Holy Spirit and the eternal grace that's offered to me by him. Meaning that when you look in the bigger scheme of this passage, you see there's this battle raging between the flesh and the spirit inside of believers, inside of people that have been given the Holy Spirit. And in that, that normal battle, when you don't pick, you don't get to pick a neutral side. It's not like you just get to stay in the middle. You're walking with the spirit, but then you choose to return to sin. You choose to return to the flesh. That is something that every one of us have done and may do and will potentially do again in the future. And for me, in my temptation with the Holy Spirit, when I read a two lists like this and I see, oh man, I've done this one, I've done this one. Recently, I've thought about doing this one or I have done that one. I get discouraged and filled with shame that I'm not measuring up. And that leads to this pushing away of the Spirit of God. Saying, I'm not good enough. I've done, done, done enough good things. I'm, I'm, and I start to actually create distance between me and the Holy Spirit. But this passage Paul is saying it's quite the opposite. That when you realize you're walking in the flesh, it shouldn't cause you to run from the Spirit. It should cause you to run to the Spirit because he's the only one who can show you the grace of Jesus. He's the only one who can produce what you actually desire and to flourish. And that's the second list is the guarantees of the Holy Spirit. And when you read this passage, and you look at it and you see what is the work of the Holy Spirit in this passage, you start to see that, man, the Holy Spirit is so much more for us than we even realize. He's so much more for us than we realize. He, he actually wants for us more than we want for ourselves. And so he's not only there for the major moments to save us, to get us baptized, to uh, tell someone else about him, but in the intimate minor moments all the time, he wants intimacy and relationship, not just behavior modification. He doesn't just want us to do the right things. He wants to reveal himself to us every moment of every day. And that will lead to the fruit of doing the right things. Another thing in the second list of the guarantees of the Holy Spirit is that it's the will of God to transform us into his image. 
This passage is a passage not just about a battle that rages between the spirit and the flesh, but it's a passage about sanctification. It's a passage about transformation. That this whole letter Paul's writing is about that you've been saved once and for all, the means of grace, so that you don't have to earn your salvation. You don't have to earn your way back to God. But in the, the dailiness of our lives, there's this ongoing battle where, where like, we want to be more like God. We want to know God more. And, and the Holy Spirit, it's actually his job to do this. When Jesus gave us the Spirit, right? When we go back to two weeks ago when Caesar was teaching in John, and he says, I'm going to give you my Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to make us more like Jesus is to produce this in us. And so if his very role, if he's God and his very role is to make us more like Jesus and to produce this fruit, he wants it for us more than we want it for ourselves. And so when we read this passage and we think about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, and gentle self-control, it's not something that we just have to force and work at. It's actually the very will and want of God to produce it in us more than we even want to ourselves. So meaning, practically speaking, just really simply, I imagine most of you in this room, if not all of you, and a lot of you, I talk to you all the time, you want to be more loving. True? Nah? No? Yeah? Who wants to be more loving in here? Who wants to have more peace here? Yeah? Yeah. Some of you are like, yeah, definitely that one. Who, let's, I'm, I'm forgetting the list. You think I've memorized this as a kid a hundred times, but who, who wants to be, who wants to enjoy life more? Yeah. Who wants to be more patient? Some of you are like, not really me. I'm okay. I got enough patience. <laughs> Who wants to be more kind? Anyone? That's a more tough one. It's not as many hands are raised on that one. That's okay. Who wants to be more good? Yeah. I mean, who wants to be more faithful? I don't know about you, but I'm tired of my faithlessness. I'm tired of it with my relationship with God and others. It, it, that is so exhausting when I say one thing, but don't do it and do another. Who wants to be more gentle? Anyone want to be more gentle? Self-controlled, you know, more self-controlled. Okay, let that soak in. That is a desire that all of us have to some degree. But the Holy Spirit wants it way more for you. He desires these things for you way more than you desire for yourself. And it's his role in your life to produce them. And so I, I, I thought so much about like, well, what's the difference between like the fruit of the spirit and the works? And like, what are we supposed to do? Like, are we supposed to work towards gentleness? Are we spoke to, we're supposed to work towards patience? And like, I don't know, like there's probably a hundred other passages talk about that. And so yes, probably you're supposed to work hard at that. But when you read this passage and you look at it and not that it contradicts any other ones, because it doesn't, but the emphasis is not on what we have to do. It's the emphasis on this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Not our work, His. He wants to do this more in you more than you want to. He wants to produce a life of flourishing more than you want it. He wants you to live a life of enjoyment and a life of peace and a life of love and a life of faithfulness and a life of self-control far more than you do. And I know that many of you probably really want these things. And so how encouraging is that? It's not only does he want it, but he enables it because that's his role in our lives. How freeing is that? That just makes me start to realize how grateful I am when that does happen, when I see the fruit. Because I can sit here and dwell on so many times I've gotten angry too quickly. I can sit here and dwell on when I was not gentle or when I've been anxious. But man, there's been so many times where I didn't even realize it, but the opposite, the fruit of the spirit was produced. And, and when I start to think about those stories, I'm just like so grateful to God 
They're like, he, he birthed self-control in me. They're like, before, I didn't have self-control to stop that action. I, I wanted that and I didn't care and no one was gonna stop me. I can tell you a hundred stories. But then all of a sudden, the same desire, the same action, all of a sudden, the spirit of God gives me self-control. I don't want it. And I'm like, thank you, God. Like, this is crazy. I can't believe I wanted that like you know, a week ago. Now I don't, like that's how, that, and maybe I'd still do one if I think about it long enough. So I don't wanna think about it too long, but you gave me self-control right now to say no to something like too much ice cream. You were wondering what I was talking about. That's one example, sugar. I can eat a lot of ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so grateful when I, I, I see the evidence of the work of the Spirit. And so I just maybe even take a second right now. Think about it. Think about, is there any evidence of the work and the will and the enabling of the Holy Spirit in your life recently? Any fruit? Are you more loving? Was there a moment when you used to be really angry and instead you, you had self-control? Was there a moment when maybe you usually were anxious, but somehow you just were at peace? You're like, that was, that, that was crazy circumstance, but I feel good. And there's nothing, no substances making me feel good right now. I just feel good. Think about that. Think about where the spirit of God is birthing fruit in your life. It's so beautiful. God bless you. And it produces gratitude, so much gratitude. It is the Spirit's will and desire to make you more like Jesus. It is his role in our lives to make us like Jesus, to transform us from the inside out. We get a part in that, but it's actually his work. And so I love how practical this passage also is. It's not just theoretical. It's not just a metaphor between a battle of the flesh and the spirit. It's super practical. And what I mean by that is you're looking at the last few verses. Paul says this, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Meaning this, that you've taken your desires of sin, you've taken the flesh and you've brought it to Jesus and said, I don't want these things. They're, you put them to death on the cross and you give me new life by your spirit. And then he says this, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited or prideful, provoking one another, envying one another. I love how practical this passage also is. If you think about all of the, the, the things that Paul says to, to do in this passage, as well as the Holy Spirit's doing in this. And so I guess if you're sitting here and you, you're here and you're like, I want practical application. Well, one, first, ask yourself, am I walking with the Spirit? Am I, am I walking with the Spirit? It's not a neutral thing. You can't literally be in the middle. You're either choosing to avoid the spirit and walk in the flesh or you're choosing to embrace and acknowledge and walk with the spirit. That's something we get to choose every single moment, every single day. And when you mess up and you fail, it's okay. It's just like, whoa, <laughs> I was literally walking in the flesh there. I was choosing myself and my sin. And that's already dead. That's not me anymore. I'm a new creation. That was put to death on the cross. So I can just turn back to the spirit. I don't need to walk in shame. So just ask yourself, am I walking the spirit? Am I walking the flesh? And just regularly, and then go from asking yourself to actually asking the Holy Spirit. This passage is meant to draw us to talk to God, not to just look and, and self-evaluate. So ask the Holy Spirit, hey, am I, where am I walking with you? Where am I not? And that'd be the first thing. A second thing is also super simple. Comes right out of this passage as well is 
if we live by the Spirit at the end there, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Man, I can't tell you how damaging to a life of flourishing comparison really is. And so practically speaking, who are you comparing your heart and your life to? Who are you comparing yourself to? Anyone other than Jesus is gonna, is gonna make you feel like a failure. Is he gonna provoke you to pride or provoke you to shame? And so if you're looking for like, what does practically this mean? Just ask yourself, who do I compare myself to? Am I comparing myself to Jesus and his life, which should leave us going, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit. Am I comparing myself to my own standards, someone else in my life? And that'll either leave you going, man, I'm way better than that person. Or it'll leave you going, I'm not good enough. And I'll never be good enough like that person. And both those things are not from Jesus, not from his spirit. The Holy Spirit wants us to flourish. He wants us to, to live a life of fullness. And so ask yourself, man, am I comparing myself to anyone other than Jesus? And if so, God, bring me back to you. Bring me back to you. So in just a second, we're actually going to respond in worship, which I'm so excited about. It's going to give us space to do those things, to ask ourselves if we're comparing ourselves to anyone. And it's going to give us space to, uh, to actually ask if we're walking with the Spirit or not. And so I just want to encourage you, like, um, as we sing these songs, feel free to do that. But also think about where the Holy Spirit is working and, and respond in gratitude that he wants more for you than you want for yourself, that he loves you more than you love yourself. He wants these things for more for you. And it is his role in your life to enable us to flourish. It's his role to sanctify us. And so not only think about and dwell on where you can walk more with the Spirit, but think about what he's doing and the fruit he's producing in you. Think about where you're more loving, where you're more kind and praise him for that. Rejoice that he's doing that because that rejoicing will only produce deeper intimacy with him and cause you to want to spend more time with him. Sound good? I only pray for us. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.